Hi, welcome to the Dartarian Show. I'm Alexander Dartarian. And I'm Dominic Sykes. And today we are going to do D.B. Cooper. Yes. A, I guess, a mystery in itself because... Unsolved. Do you think it happened? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, I do. I'm. I'm not sure. Let's let's. Uh, well, you, obviously, you're going to be re- uh, reviewing a timeline. You're going to tell us a timeline yeah. of the situation and what happened and stuff. Yeah. And, and then I'm going to judge it. Yeah, I'm going to. I don't think it happened. I do. I. Uh, I okay. Well, you convince me that it happened. The FBI does too. The FBI is, dude. <laughs> All right, we'll get into the FBI at this time and stuff, but uh, at the, after after you read yeah, the timeline, because the FBI at this point in time is shady as fluff. <laughs> All right, but okay, you go ahead and read the timeline All so right. we can get going. Without further ado, February twenty first, first nineteen thirty one, in what historians consider the first skyjacking, Peruvian rebels demand the pilot of a Ford trimotor craft fly over Lima so they can drop political leaders. May 1st, 1961, in the first American skyjacking, Antulio Ramirez Ortiz holds a knife to a pilot's throat and points a gun at the co-pilot of a National Airlines flight en route to Key West. He demands to go to Cuba, and the plane returns safely to Florida after dropping him off. Ortiz is arrested 14 years later in Miami trying to re-enter the U.S. In 1965, Northwest Orient Airlines purchases the Boeing 727 Cooper will later hijack. Easy to maneuver and able to take off at low speeds and land at small airports, the 727 became the most popular domestic carrier of its day. It was also the only jet to come equipped with aft stairs. November 24, 1971, a passenger identifying himself as Dan Cooper skyjacks a Boeing 727-100 en route to Seattle-Tacoma Airport. Armed with an attached case, he claims contains a bomb. Cooper demands and receives $200,000 and four parachutes. He skydives from the Northwest Plains somewhere over southwestern Washington State. December 8, 1971, U.S. Attorney General John M. Mitchell releases the serial numbers of the $20 bills that made up Cooper's ransom. Initially, no bills are recovered fueling the theory that Cooper perished in his jump, but the publicity surrounding the event may have just driven Cooper further underground. April 7, 1972, Richard Floyd McCoy hijacks a Boeing 727 and demands $500,000 and four parachutes, and jumps out of a plane over Provo, Utah. The FBI suspect him of being Cooper, but a Las Vegas alibi clears him of any connection. So... Exact, well, not exactly, but not even almost a year later, right? Mm-hmm. A dude named Richard McCoy yeah. hijacks a plane, demands $500,000, and also four parachutes. So I can see why they were trying to make that connection between him and Dan Maybe. Cooper. Yeah. And so, so where, I don't know if we're going to get to it or not, but like, where did it deep? B. Cooper come from then if his name's Dan Cooper I, th- I think he gets into it okay yeah. I'm, I'm sure it probably does um, so after that in 1978 Northwest sells the plane used in the Cooper skyjacking to Piedmont Airlines in North Carolina 
A hunter in Washington finds a placard verified to be from the aft stairs of Cooper's 727. In February 1980, Brian Ingram, an eight-year-old boy, finds $5,800 in decomposing $20 bills by the edge of the Columbia River near Vancouver, Washington. Mm -hmm. The FBI matches the serial numbers on those bills to the Cooper ransom. It is the only Cooper money ever to be recovered. So $5,800 of the $200,000 is all that they ever found of it. In 1985, D.B. Cooper, What Really Happened is published. The book is based on interviews with a woman known as Clara, who claims to have discovered an injured Cooper two days after the skyjacking and then fell in love with him. Many discredit that account. In 1986, FBI agents Ralph P. Himmelsbach and Thomas K. Worcester's Norjack, the investigation of D.B. Cooper, is published. The pair suspect Cooper died in the jump. May 1986, Brian Ingram, now 14, receives $2,760 from his discovery of the small portion of Cooper loot. An equal share is given to the insurer of Northwest Orient. The last $280 is kept as evidence. So the boy who found the money got something out of it, so that's cool. Yeah, so, because, like, like that would be one way to catch db cooper just like like hey uh we found this money if you want to come and get it into db cooper shows shows up up. it's all like yeah yeah, i think it's mine most he had most of the money i think yeah but you couldn't spend it he didn't spend any of it or he would have got flagged yeah all right and uh june 1989 john list a fugitive is arrested for shooting his mother wife and three children in 1971 Former FBI agent Himmelsbach calls List a viable suspect in the Cooper case, but List Mm -hmm. denies any involvement. So Himmelsbach is claiming that List could possibly be Cooper. In 91, Russell Kalami, an FBI agent who worked the McCoy case, and Bernie Rhodes, a former parole officer, published D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy. The book supposes that McCoy was Cooper because he had newspaper clippings about Cooper in his car and because his family claimed a mother of pearl tie clasp Cooper left behind on the jet belonged to McCoy. So now they were thinking, okay, it's both of them. They're both the same person. Yeah. Uh, So they think that he did the stunt the first time with the $200,000, succeeded at it, came back (laughs) as McCoy this time, and did it again. Yeah. So that's, then, that's probably the most popular theory, you think? Yeah, probably. But uh, in November 1996, the Ariel Store and Tavern, a bar in southwestern Washington, throws an 11-hour party to commemorate the 25th anniversary of Cooper's mysterious jump. Drawing 500 people from across the U.S., Ariel, a town of 50, is thought by some to be the place Cooper landed. The Ariel Store throws the Cooper party every year near Thanksgiving. Festivities include... Uh, fireworks, raffles for Cooper memorabilia, and Cooper lookalike contest. Mm. Right? So that's was in uh, 1996. Yeah. yeah, in the place that he supposedly landed. Uh, in uh, July of 2000, a U.S. News and World Report article states that Dwayne L. Weber confessed to being D.B. Cooper on his deathbed. Weber's wife recalls compelling circumstantial evidence about him, but the FBI dismisses him as a suspect after analyzing fingerprints and DNA samples. So, 
they thought for because he confessed on his deathbed to being db cooper that my thing is if db cooper's still out there he can literally come forward he could yeah the statute of limitations is way up yeah like he'd be fine now yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's what he was doing maybe he's just holding on to that money until uh well, obviously, he would still have to give up the money. He wouldn't be charged with the crime, yeah. but he'd still have to give up the money. Probably. I'd just so. say, I, uh, I don't know. I forgot. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like, it's been years, man. I don't know where that money went. And then wait, and then just go, go grab the money. Or you just been like, do he come forward and be like, write a book? Yep. He'd be like, this is how I duped all of you. Yep. And then the latest, uh, in 2007, Lyle Christensen contacts the detectives at Sherlock Investigations, a PI agency on the Upper West Side, claiming his brother Kenny is without a doubt Cooper. And that was the most recent, I think, update of what is going on with the D.B. Cooper thing. So that was just a rough timeline of the events of D.B. Cooper, right? All right, I just looked at the picture of Richard McCoy Jr. This dude looks exactly like, like the composite of D.B. Cooper. How do you not know that's the most prevailing theory is that they're both exactly the same person. Now, oh my God. what would your theory be as to what happened to him? How did he never get caught, never be found, the money situation? Um... I think at this time we were really in like this is the Cold War right after World War Two. We're like so big into Russia right now, and I think that one my theory is that America the FBI FBI used this and used these hijackings uh-huh. or skyjackings I guess uh, to their advantage. I think that they did it so that they could search people better at airports because back then when db cooper did this you could literally bring anything on the plane yeah i mean you could have brought a freaking machine gun on a plane and like they would have been like okay cool sit down buckle up yeah (laughs) you know they didn't care you know they didn't care that they had a gun they didn't check and all that stuff. And after these db after the db cooper and the richard mccoy uh hijacking yeah i think that it was an excuse to upgrade the security a little bit yeah but at this time the fbi was controlled by j edgar hoover Mm. and j edgar hoover is the worst person on earth and is the he's a snake (laughs) and he did shit so shady and so bad and so shifty that the only good thing about him was that he was a crossdresser. Yeah. Right. That was the only good quality he had was he was a crossdresser. So So you're asking about uh the name, DB Cooper, why? Yeah. Why? So uh basically at, right after that event, the first moon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh that Thanksgiving, uh for several weeks after that, the police did an extensive search that failed to turn up any trace of the hijacker or the parachutes. Um mm-hmm. uh, so they began searching criminal records for the name Dan Cooper because mm-hmm. that's what the yeah. name he gave, uh, just in case the hijacker had used his real name, but they didn't have any luck. But one, it's <laughs> stupid. One of like, their hi, my yeah. Dan Cooper. That's my actual uh, name. Yeah, my address is four 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 two. Yeah, uh, one of their early results would uh, prove to have a lasting impact on the case because uh, a, a police record for an Oregon man named D.B. Cooper was discovered and considered a possible suspect. 
So although he was quickly cleared by the police, right, a careless member of the press accidentally confused the man's name for the alias given by the hijacker. And that simple mistake was then repeated over and over again. And so the original Dan Cooper became known as DB for the whole rest of the investigation. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, it's good old press. You yeah, know, like it's they, always the center of all the bullshit. And I don't understand why. Like, all right, When you are reporting a story and you mess it up, right? Mm-hmm. How hard is it to be like, hey, I messed up? You know, I was given inaccurate uh, information. Yeah. I was giving, I was, uh, my source wasn't as trusted as I believed him to be or believed them to be. Yeah. Uh, I made a mistake, but this is the real story. Yeah. Like, yeah, your credibility does take a little hit. Mm -hmm. But is it worth sticking with the lie? I don't know. And especially if people, like, with nowadays, like, this for one if this happened nowadays say that 9-11 never happened say that the db cooper stuff never happened like plane getting on a plane is like like it was back then mm-hmm. no security whatsoever you can get on whatever you want right and it happened right yeah with social media nowadays we know a lot more we know like everything that happens yeah, in this world we probably like would definitely it, not because they live streamed exactly it. they would have had their phones out the entire yeah. time and he would have been but like say that he did get away yeah say that he did mm-hmm. even though he did because there's there's criminals that get away even though we got pictures of them yeah. and everything yeah uh but say that he got away my thing is is the news would freaking do stuff so fast they would put out the information so fast that that 95 percent of the story would be false yeah yeah, just to be that first. Just to be the first yeah. and stuff. So it, back then, you you always they always talked about the integrity of newspapers and right. how that how, how stories back then yeah. had merit. They they did the research. Mm-hmm. They they everything that we read Feet was, on the ground. Yeah, you know, you know the, the, everything no that we read was true. Right. But here's a big example of the press has always been like. Unfor- it's about get, the story. Yeah, it's it's, it's whatever it takes to. I want to be first. The story. I want to sell more newspapers. Yeah. It, newspaper is is a business. Yeah, and for, for a person that says the news isn't a business, doesn't know anything. Yeah, like I'm sorry if you think that, but you don't know anything. It is a business. It's yeah. entertainment. I trust. It's it's sad because I trust more now. Uh, the the people that do the news on TikTok, you know, just the individuals that will just, mm-hmm. you know. Do the research and then they will get on the TikTok and they'll tell. I see with me, I, I do the I do the TikToks because obviously you send a lot to me, Dom. You send a lot of those TikToks to yeah. me, and I, I was like, ah, well, but I go searching for different points of view for yeah, that story you because you, you really do, especially nowadays. But like what I was saying about this press thing, like even back then, they messed up, mm-hmm. they messed up, they put DB Cooper and even though that they, they were probably corrected the multiple times multiple times yeah. they did not correct it in the press yeah and even now what how many years has it been for like 30 to 40 years later yeah we're like db cooper yeah. db cooper yeah the- db cooper because for one db cooper sounds better than dan cooper yeah. dan cooper just sounds like a neighbor mm-hmm. they're just like hey dan how you doing you know like no, DB Cooper sounds like a spy. Yeah, you know, I, so. I I've got a theory uh, of my own, by the way. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll read it at the end, or I'll tell you about it at the end of the episode because it's it's kind of out there. Okay. 
but uh we were going over we went over the rough timeline but i kind of want to delve in a little bit deeper and kind of right, go ahead yeah go into some more detail um so at around four o'clock on november 24th the man calling himself dan cooper enters a portland international airport and purchases a one-way ticket to seattle tacoma for twenty dollars he was assigned an aisle seat 18c for a 4 35 p.m flight the plane carried 36 passengers that day, not including the pilot, Captain William Scott, the first officer, Bob Radizak, and the flight engineer, H.E. Anderson, two flight attendants, Tina Mocklau and Florence Schaffner. An accentless, middle-aged white male in a dark suit and tie, Cooper drew little attention boarding the flight. After takeoff, Cooper handed Schaffner a note. At the time, men traveling alone commonly slipped phone numbers or hotel room numbers to flight attendants, so Schaffner placed the note in her pocket and ignored it. It's kind of sad. Oh <laughs> the next time she passed, Cooper motioned for her to come closer. He told her that she'd better read the note and warned that he had a bomb, nodding towards the suitcase. You better read that note. Yeah. I want you in my hotel room. <laughs> I've got this bomb. Schaffner then went to the galley to read the note. She showed it to the other flight attendants, and together they hurried to the cockpit to show the pilot. After he read the note, the pilot immediately contacted air traffic control. They, in turn, contacted the Seattle police, who informed the FBI. The FBI placed an urgent call to the airline's president, Donald Nyrope, who said that they should comply with Cooper's demands. Doubtless, Nyrope wanted to avoid any negative publicity that such a disaster would bring. So there you go again. Greed and, uh, and all that takes top priority. Yeah. Got to save the business. Cooper instructed the flight attendant to return the note, wary of potentially incriminating evidence, so he asked for the note back. Uh, because of this, the exact wording of his note is unknown, because it's just word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, Schaffner recalled that the handwritten ink note demanded $200,000 in cash and two sets of parachutes. Cooper wanted these items delivered on arrival at Seattle-Tacoma Airport and claimed that if they didn't comply with these demands, he would blow up the plane. Everyone who read the note agreed that it contained the phrase, no funny business. Cooper moved next to the window so that when Schaffner returned, she sat in his aisle seat. He opened his suitcase wide enough for her to get a glimpse of wires and two cylinders. Potentially dynamite sticks. He then directed her to return to the cockpit and to tell the pilot to stay in the air until the money and parachutes were ready. After receiving the message, the pilot announced over the intercom that the jet would circle before landing due to a mechanical problem. Most of the passengers were unaware of the hijacking. Which makes sense, because back yeah. in the day, you know, yeah. people kind of just minded their own business. Oh, really? I always thought that he would, was the only one on the plane. No, yeah, I kind of thought that too. When I, yeah. Whenever I heard about it in the past, I was like, okay, so it's just like, like I don't know why I thought that. Yeah. You know, it's a commercial flight. Obviously, there's going to be other people on it, but yeah, no, yeah. There, was, there was people on it. Uh, Cooper was very precise about his demands for money. He wanted the $200,000 in $20 bills, which would weigh around 21 pounds. If smaller bills were used, it would add extra weight and could be dangerous for his skydive. Larger bills would weigh less, but they would be difficult to pass. He even specified that he wanted bills with serial numbers that were random, not sequential. The FBI agents gave him bills with random serial numbers, but made sure that all of, the, all of them began with the code letter L. Acquiring the parachutes was a lot harder than collecting the $200,000. Tacoma's McCord Air Force Base offered to provide the parachutes, but Cooper rejected this offer. He wanted civilian parachutes with user-operated ripcords, not military-issued ones. 
<laughs> What's the difference? He, I don't know. He probably didn't trust the military issued ones. What if like how do they like for one to test the parachutes? They're like, oh, I want civilian ones. Yeah, I think I'd want military ones more because like they're made to drop at low altitude. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he, he, I, I think it's probably just as simple. He didn't trust them. Yeah. Uh, Seattle Seattle cops eventually contacted the owner of a skydiving school. His school was closed, but they persuaded him to sell them four parachutes. Cooper's <laughs> Cooper's hijacking note did not directly explain his plan to skydive from the plane. What a greedy asshole! Yeah. Like uh, he has a bomb, he's going to kill a bunch of people. Oh, uh, well, well, I do have a business. I have a business. You got to <laughs> give me that money. Yeah. Um. So he he didn't directly explain his plan of skydiving. I if he upsold him. I don't know. Maybe like. He- <laughs> What if he asked for more money than they're probably? Worth? Yeah, like you really oh, want these? need these real bad. Uh, so how much will that be? Uh, about five thousand dollars a parachute. Yeah. What? I don't know. Parachutes were probably really expensive probably. back then because, like nowadays, I mean, yeah. I don't even know how they are, how much all they are nowadays. But like back then, they obviously weren't too found yeah. like often. I mean, because I think like every plane now comes with parachutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously it's been it's been a minute. They've stocked up on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he didn't he didn't explain his plans to skydive in the note. Um, but since he had asked for an extra parachute, they assumed that he planned on taking a passenger or crew member with him as an airborne hostage. Mm-hmm. They thought about using dummy parachutes for the exchange with Cooper, but they couldn't risk the life of a civilian, which is smart on his part. Just by asking for four parachutes and making them assume that he was going to take hostages, he yeah. ensured that the parachutes wouldn't be tampered with. Yeah. That was smart. That was smart. Wow, that's, that's cool. Again, yeah. that goes along with my theory that it was a hoax. Oh, okay. Uh, at 5.24 p.m., the ground team had the cash and the parachutes, so they radioed Captain Scott and told him they were ready for his arrival. Cooper ordered that they had to, that they taxi to a remote well-lit area after they landed. He had the cabin lights dimmed and ordered that no vehicle should approach the plane. He also ordered that the person who was to bring the cash and parachutes come unaccompanied. A Northwest Airline employee drove a company vehicle near the plane. Cooper ordered flight attendant Tina Mucklow to lower the stairs. The employee carried two parachutes at a time to the stairs and handed them over to Mucklow. Then the employee brought the cash over in a large bank bag. On demand, once the demands were met, Cooper released the 36 passengers and flight attendant Florence Schaffner. He did not release the other flight attendant, Tina Mucklow, or the three men in the cockpit. An FAA official contacted the captain and asked Cooper for permission to come aboard the jet. The official apparently wanted to warn him of the dangers and consequences of air piracy. Cooper denied his request. Cooper had Mucklow read over the instruction card for operation of the aft stairs. When he questioned her about them, she said she didn't think they could be lowered during flight. He said she was wrong. Cooper had chosen his flight not only for location, but because of the type of jet that was used. Mm -hmm. He knew a lot about the Boeing 727. Cooper ordered the pilot to remain below an altitude of 10,000 feet and to keep the airspeed below 150 knots. An experienced skydiver would easily be able to dive at 150 knots. The jet was lightweight and would have no problem flying at such a slow speed through the dense air at 10,000 feet. Cooper told the crew that he wanted to go to Mexico City. The pilot explained that at that altitude and airspeed he wanted to travel, the jet wouldn't be able to travel more than 1,000 miles, even with 52,000 gallons of fuel. With this in mind, they agreed to make a mid-stop to refuel in Reno, Nevada, before leaving Seattle. 
Cooper ordered the jet be refueled, and he knew that the Boeing 727 could take in 4,000 gallons of fuel a minute. After 15 minutes, when they weren't done refueling, Cooper demanded an explanation. The fuel crew completed the job shortly afterwards. Captain, Captain Scott and Cooper negotiated a low-altitude route called Vector 23. This route allowed the jet to fly safely west of the mountains even at the low altitude that Cooper demanded. Cooper also directed the captain to depressurize the cabin. He knew that a person can breathe normally at 10,000 feet and that if the cabin had equalized pressure inside and out, there wouldn't be a violent gust of wind when the aft stairs were lowered. After all the flight details were figured out, the plane took off at 7.46 p.m. After takeoff, Cooper ordered the flight attendant and the rest of the crew to stay in the cockpit. There was no peephole in the cockpit door or remote cameras installed at the time, so the crew had no idea what Cooper was doing at 8 p.m. A red light gave the warning that the door was open. Scott asked Cooper over the intercom if there was anything they could do for him. He replied with an angry no, and that was the last word anyone ever heard from Dan Cooper. At, four, or at 8.24 p.m., the jet gen, genuflected as the nose dipped first followed by a correcting dip in the tail end. Scott made sure to note the spot where the dip took place. 25 miles north of Portland near the Lewis River, the crew assumed that the aft stairs had been lowered and the Cooper had jumped at that point. However, they didn't make confirmation of their assumption because they didn't want to disobey his orders to stay in the cockpit. At 10.15 p.m., the jet landed in Reno, Nevada. Nevada. Scott spoke over the intercom and after receiving no response, he opened the cockpit door. The cabin was empty. Cooper, along with the money and all of his belongings, was gone. The only item left was the second parachute. No one ever heard from Cooper again. All subsequent investigations failed to prove whether or not he survived his fateful jump, and during the hijacking, the police attempted to follow the plane and wait for someone to jump. While they originally used F-106 fighter jets, these planes, built to go at high speeds of up to 1,500 miles per hour, provided to be useless at lower speeds. Yeah. Uh, the police then co-opted the Air National Guard Lockheed 233, but before they were able to catch up to the hijacked plane, Cooper had already jumped. So. I thought he left his tie. Didn't he leave? That's part of the evidence that they had. That's McCoy. No. That was McCoy's. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure that's D.B. Cooper's too. Yeah, they're because they think they're the same person. But the the, the pearl necktie or whatever, yeah. that was uh, in the McCoy case, but they said it belonged to, uh, no, it was in the Dan Cooper case, but they said it belonged to McCoy. One of the two. I might have that backwards, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that was in the the McCoy case. Okay. And, but I can see why that they are um, similar because they look alike. Yeah. <laughs> like they live the art and, and the, the mug shot this they did. Too. And like it was literally a. Except for the money, it was a carbon copy yeah. of it. So I can see why they think it was. Yeah. And there was actually a book called D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy. Yeah. Right? What, yeah. And his family sued. Oh, really? Yeah. Because they, they were saying that. Well, no. It's because of defamation. Oh, yeah. They're like, okay, well, he's yeah, like, not. You just told me. Like, like if someone came up and was like, to a person who's alive and they're like you're the zodiac killer mm -hmm. and here's why and they put it in a book you can sue them for defamation well yeah because then everybody's going to just read that book and be like oh nah, that's yeah because people believe that shit. yeah uh my theory is that uh, obviously they're both the same person right i swear to god if you it <laughs> it's hollow earth 
Jesus. <laughs> he parachuted out, and the reason they haven't found his body, or they never figured out where he landed, and the reason that there was some money that that kid found, but not any more of it, right, is that he fell into one of the holes in Hollow Earth. And what, they use American money? No. He probably didn't mean to. And then he came back out, right, once he figured it out, and then he tried to do the stunt again and fell into a different hole. No, because McCoy was caught. That's true. Yeah. He so, well, he tried to come out again and then I, I <laughs> try the stunt again, and then he got caught. I don't want to say it's him because I don't want to go sue the for defamation. Yeah. But it's a strong possibility that it's him, even with an alibi, because people make up alibis all the time to protect other people. But looking at the mugshot, and looking at, <laughs> at the, the composite pic, at the at the mugshot of 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 Mr. McCoy, I can see why that people think that they're the same person. Not I really can. That it's so similar. Yeah, it's literally like I mean, obviously there's copycats. Yeah, but still. But this was like, if he isn't DB Cooper or Dan Cooper, yeah, he it, dude. Now, okay. what name did he give? Did he give his real name the second time? McCoy? Yeah, or the, when McCoy did it, did he give his real I name? I think so. I'm not 100% Why? sure. I don't know. He might... <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look as heavily into the McCoy okay. case as I did But the... this is why I think it was a hoax, right, with D.B. Cooper. Uh-huh. I think that this dude was an FBI agent. That's Dan how Cooper? he... Yeah, that's how he knew about the plane. Uh-huh. And how yeah, he didn't have a lot. Of yeah, he had a lot that. of inside knowledge. Either I think it was an insurance scam for the the plane, the the company, or I think that it was the FBI because they wanted to they wanted to uh, because of the, with the Fourth Amendment uh, search and seizure uh, laws, right, uh-huh. where you can't be searched or anything can be seized from you without a warrant. Uh-huh. Well, airports they... airports are one of the few places that that shit don't matter. Uh, you get searched no matter what. So, so I'm thinking that's they did that to root out communist spies. What? Dude, listen to this uh, shit. Like I'm it's going to be a rabbit hole right now. But I this is my theory. Hold on. You got your theory. It's my theory. Yeah. So I think the FBI sent D, Dan Cooper in. Right, because Dan Cooper—that sounds like an FBI name. It does, yeah. <laughs> it does that very yeah. FBI? Yeah. yeah. So he did that. He asked for two hundred thousand. They're like, "Well, I need twenty pounds." He knew twenty-one pounds wouldn't be heavy enough. You could safely jump. Regular people don't have yeah. that knowledge. This dude had military training. We're on to you, FBI agent Dan Cooper. Yeah, I mean he's probably, <laughs> he's probably retired and or dead by now. Retired but, agent Dan Cooper. Yeah, and that's why also never came forward. The money. I mean, he never probably he, yeah he never showed up. He may have dropped the money though. You say yeah. How do you explain that? Because uh, I think he dropped it. I think that everything went perfectly. But I think that maybe so you think the, it was because if you thing, don't know the. Landing the whole thing was do, planned but... out basically by the FBI, and he, the plan had been to just like make it look like he was hijacking it or doing the piracy or whatever, and then he would end up just jumping and then taking the money back to the FBI. Yeah. Huh. But, or but then what about the second case? What about McCoy? You think it's just a, a separate copycat? Yeah, it's a separate dude, a copycat. Hmm. 
like he was just like oh someone got away with this and the fbi's like no that's not that's why he got caught he was an fbi agent it's possible yeah yeah but i, th- I literally think that's it just see that he was a copycat and he tried he, to do the, what dan cooper did yeah he tried to do what dan cooper did and like but that's my theory i think it, it's a it's a he's he was an fbi agent that's how he knew all the information he had yeah but i don't uh, I don't know. He had to make it look real. There are people out there that that aren't, you know, normal people though. Like that are extremely intelligent. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, talking yeah. like serial killer, psychopath stuff. Like uh, the uh, bombing, the uh, what the hell is it named? The uh, mail bomb, mail, uh, uh, the Unabomber. Unabomber. Yeah, uh, he was able to do things. I, I can't make a bomb, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but like maybe they there's just, people that just have it's that. Not just, I don't even think the bomb was real. You think it was a fake bomb? I think it was a fake bomb. They because the difference, yeah, the flight like, attendants wouldn't. The, the flight. Difference. If you've never seen a bomb before, and someone opens a case and said this is a bomb, yeah. I'm gonna believe that's a bomb. I'm yeah. not gonna take that chance right. and get killed. Yeah. So, yeah, I 100. That's my theory. I think he was an FBI agent. I think they needed a reason to up the search and seizures for airport security because so you th- yeah you think it was just a, a thing to for stop the, spies the, the government to be able to uh, or it could be a C- down cia on, agent to be it able could, to crack well, down on the uh airport security airport security absolutely well if you go by that trend then that would uh, mean that you know that would be another thing for the conspiracy theorists that say 9-11 was an inside job i don't think it was an inside job they would, be, they would do it for the same reason if it was <sighs> to tighten down airport security yeah, yes and no because with with nine eleven control who comes and goes from the country better. That's really hard to, to do because <laughs> I don't want to obviously don't want to obviously don't want to disrespect them. anybody. But yeah. my thing with nine eleven is, I think that the government knew about it, like knew before it happened. I think they got wind of it, mm. but I don't think it was an inside job. I think that it was terrorists. Um, they that perpetrated that... it and that they just didn't think that it was a legitimate threat right. or so like you... that because we do have evidence that they did go to a flight school in Florida and when it came to the time to learn how to land, they're like, oh, we don't need to land. Yeah, We don't need to know how to land. Right. If I'm a teacher and someone says that to me, I'm like, a huge red flag. Yeah. Like, that school should be shut down. Yeah. Because if someone says we don't need to learn how to land, I'm like, first thing I'm saying is why? And right. if they don't give me a legitimate reason, like, oh, because I don't want to be a pilot anymore yeah. or because I, it's not made for me or something like that. Yeah. If they're just like, oh, we just don't need to learn. Like, yeah, there's only two ways you land a plane. You land it safely or you crash it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, with that, but, you know, definitely Dan Cooper. DB Cooper. No. I 100% believe that it was a time travel. Strategic. No. <laughs> time traveler. Strategic. He jumped in time. There was some kind of. Uh, You're getting this from like triangle like wormhole. Yeah. Like they. they yeah, yeah. Like Loki was supposed to be DB yeah. Cooper. In the world. <laughs> no. no like that's. Stuff. I think that's the. I think either it, the McCoy is. I want to do it both of them, or it's an FBI. Agent. I want to do an. I'm ep- leaning more towards the FBI agent. Yeah, I'm. I want to do an episode on time travel at one point too, because there's a lot of really. This is coming from the person interesting who did not conspiracy theories agree with the time rift in Antarctica. No, because that's stupid. How is it stupid? It's the same thing <laughs> as no, time travel. No, it's not. Why would it be in Antarctica though? But have you seen the TikTok right of 
how why we have the Mandela effect that we have the parallel. No, but there's already a new stuff. Mandela effect, by the way. Yeah, it's called like that the, Spider-Man one. There's a new Mandela effect where people swear to God that they don't remember this scene with Tobey Maguire. Uh, there's like a certain scene where he's doing something. Um, I, I don't know. It's don't know exactly what scene it is, but uh, they're like they swear to God that they have no idea what these other people are talking about. The other people are like, dude, that's in the movie. It's right here in this one part and they show the part or whatever. And there are people are like, who've seen the movie. They're like, no, that wasn't in there. I swear to God that was not in there when I watched it. There's been times where I've watched a movie. Like I get confused. So do I. I've seen so I've seen millions of movies. So it's forgiven. If someone's like, well, this part's in here and they're just like, what? And then you got it from like a totally different movie. You just yeah. put them together. That's like right. maybe, the actor, happened, yeah. like, maybe oh, the actor happened. Maybe the actor did another part movie. from, you know, this movie that, you know, wasn't from this movie, but yeah, exactly. That's, that's unforgivable. Our brains are computing millions of things a second. You know, like it's forgiven that if you've mistaken something like, seen something or you thought you saw something because our brain loves patterns yeah so again that's why we go from db cooper to mccoy yeah because we've seen a pattern yeah. our brain saw a pattern and we're like okay this mm-hmm. pattern it could be 100 percent coincidence yeah but it could be the other thing he could really be it yeah but i i legitimately think fbi agent I, I think that's I how he it. knew everything and stuff. That wouldn't surprise me. Because I don't know, because McCoy got caught. Yeah. D.B. Cooper didn't. Unless D.B. Cooper, Cooper is died McCoy. on impact. Or is McCoy. Or is McCoy. That was the only... But where's the body? As far as dying on impact, yeah, where's the body? I yeah, agree. where's the body? Where's the parachute? They never found it. Unless he didn't jump when they thought he jumped. It doesn't matter. I mean, he didn't spend any of the money. My thing is, if he didn't spend any of the money, why ask for the money if you don't want to spend it? Maybe it was a thrill ride. A thrill ride? Like yeah, maybe. Like, like, okay, I'm a skydiver, right? I do this for a living, and I'm not getting excited for it anymore. I need to just to step up my game and do the next yeah, but big thrill. Why do you do it again? Huh? Why do you do it again? He did, if he's saying, McCoy. Okay, saying that he isn't McCoy. Uh, is not McCoy. Is not McCoy. Why? Why did he not do it again? He had the money. He lived through the crash, obviously, unless Maybe he that... dropped the money and was like, shit, I don't think I can get away with it again. That might have been it. Maybe he did drop the money and just was like, okay, well, there's no point in going back. I'm not going to be able to find it. Okay, well, 10,000 And they're going to be looking around he, that area does, anyway. Do we know an exact number of altitude that he was at when he jumped? No, because they had no confirmation. Remember? they Yeah, were, I mean, no, and they, he was obviously depressurized. 10,000 feet. About 10,000. You can drop, you can jump out of the airplane safely. Like, I think that's like the standard height for skydives. I'm not sure. I think you get like 30 to 45 seconds before you hit the ground. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's it. Like, I don't, let me look it up real quick. But no, I, I legitimately think that he is an FBI agent. Like, that to me, that's the only. No, I, it's not the only, I mean, there's a, there's for me, there's several, several of them sound good to me. Like there, there's some that I can rule out completely. Like, or, you know, obviously I was joking about the hollow earth thing. That's not something that, you know, really would happen, but yeah, uh, there's, there's things I can rule out, but there's also the ones that I, I think, yeah, that could, that could be happening. It could be that he's the same person. It could be that he, uh, he maybe died somewhere. They just didn't find him, you know? There's people's bodies go undiscovered all the time. Yeah, I was right. Thirty seconds. Yeah, 
So, it, I mean, he could have fallen somewhere, you know, and then either animals picked him apart and moved his bones or maybe they just didn't find where, you know. Because they don't know his exact point of landing. They, they know where the money, some of the money was. Well, if he did jump at 10,000 feet and pulled the parachute as soon as he jumped, mm. like maybe like, whoop, and then like five seconds later pulled the parachute. Yeah. It would have took him less than a minute to get on the ground. Right. So it wouldn't have mattered if the plane was being followed because he would have hit the ground at within a minute. Yeah. And especially if he knew exactly where he wanted to go. Like he had a map where he needed to go. He had a vehicle waiting or someone else waiting on him. He jumps out, not panics, but maybe the parachute, the wind was a little bit like stronger than he thought it was going to be. Yeah. Drops the money. Uh It was like, shit. Like, if I'm an FBI agent, I'm fucked because I just got, like, a lot of paperwork to do for losing this money, and you'll be investigated. But less than a minute, less than a minute to hit the ground with the parachute open. Mm. 30 seconds without the parachute. Right. So if it was a dummy parachute, dude had 30 seconds, slammed the ground. Yeah. 10,000 feet. Extremely low chance of... They would have come out and said by now... No, like we gave enough. we gave them we gave him a dummy parachute. Yeah, he's probably dead somewhere. <laughs> no, know? because maybe they didn't realize he took the dummy suit. I don't think they gave him a dummy yeah, suit. I, don't, I really I don't. don't. I think that, especially even now, even when there's a terrorist, like if if nine eleven, if we had negotiated with them, right? I don't think that they would kill them. I don't know, but you got to think. Was Pennsylvania plane shot down, or did the uh, the passengers take it over and crash it? Yeah. So yeah, was it Pennsylvania? I think it was Pennsylvania. Yeah, they they crashed it. So, like, do you think they shot it down? And why didn't they shoot that plane down? Because again, I always thought that it was just DB Cooper and the flight crew that were on the plane. No, yeah. I think it was. I think when they landed to refuel or they landed when he said that the plane in Tacoma. When I he think... jumped, it was just him and the crew, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Cool. When he jumped, there was nobody else on the plane. Okay. When he first hijacked the plane, there were 36 passengers on the plane. When he was first saying, I've got a bomb. Yeah. Then when he was waiting for his demand, the $200,000 and the parachutes to come on, he was holding the people on the plane. And once he got that stuff, he, he let, let all let the people them. and some of the flight crew off. And then kept the people in the cockpit and then that uh, one flight attendant. So that was okay. those of the only people on the plane when he actually jumped. And they didn't see him jump because he said, don't leave the cockpit. Whoever Dan Cooper is, genius. He was smart. All, definitely. Have to give it, even if it didn't work guy. out. Yeah. Even if it didn't work out, the, the fact that he, just the parachute thing for me, that, that was the, yeah. the most brilliant part of it. Is just that he knew that which also they would want to risk civilian lives. Also goes with my theory. Law enforcement. He knew what law enforcement wanted to do. Yeah. He knew it. He did. He knew exactly what they were thinking. They would not risk civilian uh, yeah. lives. I, I'm telling you, 100. percent If he wasn't with the FBI FBI and doing the theory, he was either with another agency or he was a retired officer or he was a fired one that was like, fuck you, I'm getting my money anyways. Mm. So 
count this as my severance package. Yeah. <laughs> and then dropped it. And he was like, God damn it. Story of my life. Yeah. So, I don't know. Whoever Unless... whoever Dan Cooper is, statute of limitations is up, dude. Yes. Come forward. I mean, it's, it's... Just brag about it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would do. It. It's like, you know, come on the podcast, man. Yeah. Talk to us. Let but us... There's been a lot of people that throughout the years have come forth and saying either they are Dan Cooper or, or they knew who they was. Yeah. Dan Cooper was. Yeah. But that's my They've theory. They've all been defunct at the, up to this point. That's my theory. Um, like I said, it was just an elaborate hoax by the FBI to uh, get that uh, search and seizure huh. amendment, you know, suspended for the airport. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we like talking about it and saying our theories. Uh, yeah. Let us know what your theories are. Uh, do you think that, you know, he was you know, real? Do you like, do you think that he was McCoy? Uh, careful saying that you might get sued. <laughs> uh, do you think it was McCoy? Do you think it was uh, Dan Cooper? He just never been found. Do you think he died? Or do you think, do you agree with me? Do you think he was an FBI agent? And this was all an elaborate hoax to get better security at airports. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, follow us at the link below uh, in the description. And we will see you guys in the next episode for Haunted Places Part 2. Thanks for listening. Thanks.